In high school, I was a uh, rebellious, long-haired, believe it or not, this, this haircut, uh, I was long-haired, heavy metal listening, uh, rebellious kid, I'll use that word, <laughs> other words come to mind, uh, but one of my most memorable experiences, favorite experiences as a high school student was always the Christmas concert at my public high school. Every year, that Christmas concert, at one point during one song, I would always get chills, goosebumps, just a, a strange feeling for a teenage boy to experience, just a sort of fullness and longing all together during one song. And as we start a new series this summer, we're looking at uh, a bunch of psalms, a dozen or so psalms, and the first series in that look at the psalms, in our summer in the psalms, is going to be focused on songs of praise. We're going to look at four psalms in the next four weeks, Lord willing, and I hope you realize that psalms are songs. The book of Psalms, all 150 of them, are essentially the old covenant people, the Old Testament people of God's hymn book. That was their song book, and that's the basis, at least from the time of the temple, uh, for very much of their worship together. And like any song, these songs can move us. They're intended to move us. They are meant to strike deep into our hearts that we would respond. You know, just like you've maybe done yourself uh, listening to music, it, it, you know, walking along, find yourself playing the air guitar or maybe embarrassingly singing out loud at a traffic light with your windows down. Or, you know, you're moved by music and by song. And when we sing... Together, it's even more powerful. And it's related to how God designed us and His purpose for us. And so, let's dig into that, looking at Psalm 150, the very last psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. Read along with me, if you will. This is God's Word. You know, let's, let's read it together. It's a song for the people of God. Would you read this with me? And try to read maybe with some enthusiasm, okay? Like, like you're awake and alive and you're ready, okay? You ready? Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Okay, take a breath. You ready? You ready? We're going to keep going. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord, this is Your Word. It is a song for our hearts. 
Meet us here today, we pray. Lift us up into your presence and move us that we might give you thanks and give you the glory you alone deserve, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the song that uh, happened every year at the Christmas concert in my public high school, a long time ago, I guess, really, if I want to be honest, I'm going to say not that long ago, but, real, you know, almost 40 years ago, that song was the Hallelujah Chorus, a part of the larger composition called the Messiah, or Messiah by George Friedrich Handel, written hundreds of years ago. But even as a long-haired, rebellious, hard-hearted, heavy metal listening young person, that song moved me every year. I don't remember particularly if it brought tears to my eyes, but I know the weird feelings I had were related to what would later in my life bring those kind of tears. And what would happen is at that concert, this was the last song every year at the Christmas concert, and I was a bass clarinet player in the concert band. And the concert band at that point would be joined by um, the choir, who had already sung earlier in the concert. And it was well known that alumni of the school, those who had graduated from the school, were welcome to come and up on stage and join in the singing, welcome to come up with their instruments. And so our little high school stage was jam-packed with already kind of the, the orchestra, basically, of what we were, the, the concert band, as well as the choir from the high school, and then all of these alumni coming up, and we would together perform the Hallelujah Chorus. You know that part, it's, it starts going, Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. I wish I could sing better, right? For the Lord God omnipotent reign. I got chills right now. <laughs> with all of those voices, with all of those instruments, with all of those people singing and acknowledging and expressing appreciation for God, and I didn't know Jesus. I barely knew who he was. We attended church off and on, but I would by no means call myself a Christian now, though I did call myself one then. I didn't know what it meant. I was ignorant of the Bible for the most part. But that song, taken from Scripture, Revelation in particular, moved me. There is something, brothers and sisters, deep and profound about expressing appreciation or approval for God with a bunch of other people. Did you feel something as we read the psalm together? As we, as we emphasized it, as we tried to give some expression to it, there is something really powerful in that. Even if, even if most of us don't even know him that well, as the case was with my Christmas concert, I doubt many were Christians at that point. But that expression, that appreciation or approval of God, that, that is the essence of praise. Really, that's how I would define praise. Praise is expressing appreciation or approval of someone or, or something. And, and when that praise is directed towards God, it resonates with us because you were made to praise God. You were made to appreciate God. You were made to give Him thanks 
That's a part of your core being. And there is nothing better for you in life, for your mental health, for your soul. There's nothing more fulfilling than expressing appreciation to God with His people. Try it out. It changes your life. It it changes other people. Because you were made to praise God. As we read the psalm, did you, did you hear that word repeatedly? Praise, 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 praise. It's in this psalm 13 times. The psalm starts off, praise the Lord, and it ends, praise the Lord. And in between, praise Him, praise God, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. And every time, it's essentially a command. Ten of those are explicitly commands. They're in the imperative mood. Praise the Lord. It's a command. It's a, it's a duty It's an obligation, but it's always more than that. And when you understand that, when you begin to realize that's your purpose, to live for His praise, to praise God, you will find greater fulfillment, joy, peace, hope, all those wonderful benefits, no matter what else is going on in your life. Because you were made to praise God. So to do that well, that's what we want to unpack today, is is how do we do that well? How do we praise God? How do we get the most benefit out of that? And how do we give the most benefit to others? The first thing we need to do is understand, who do you praise? Who do you praise? You praise the one above all. You praise the one above all. Verse 1, praise God in his sanctuary praise him in his mighty expanse your sanctuary has to do with uh, uh, separateness with set apart it's it's essentially the word for holy or set apart it's it's the place set apart and the idea probably in in the original context of the psalmist it has in mind the temple where god's people would gather together that place set apart to worship Him, to sing praises to Him, to sacrifice to Him. Uh, the one who is not on earth, but who set apart a special place for His people to look up to Him and to worship Him. Uh, the mighty expanse has to do with uh, something stretched out, expanded, expanse. And it points to the heavens, the sky, and beyond. Uh, the things that are higher above us. Uh, It might be calling the angels and heavenly beings to worship God, to give Him the praise from heaven, even as it's saying praise Him in His sanctuary on earth. But if you just think about the direction of of this part of the psalm, the the theme and and the idea, it's essentially saying uh, that we're pointing up, that we are looking toward and expressing appreciation and thanks, praising someone who is above all. That's where praise goes. And the Scriptures describe God as the one who dwells in unapproachable light. 1 Timothy 6.16 Isaiah in his vision in chapter 6 of Isaiah is, is elevated into heaven and he's undone because he's in the presence of God, and he's aware of his sin. And he, he shrinks down. In 
feels the weight of it. Moses at the burning bush when God comes down and meets him there is, is just falling on his face, averting his eyes and unable to approach. You, this is the one that we worship. But this, this is the one who's above all. And the thing is, he stoops down. This one that, that you praise is above all. And he also is the one who stoops down to you. We see this implicitly in verse 1 and at the end in verse 6 when it says, praise the Lord. Ending, praise the Lord. Literally, praise Yahweh. You know, we translate that word Yahweh from the Hebrew into English with the Lord. Long story on that we don't have time to go into, but what we lose is the personal name of God who has said, I am. Essentially, that's what Yahweh means. I am. I, I exist. I am. Period. That's, that's his name. That's how he's wanted us to address him. And, and essentially, by losing that, uh, in a lot of ways, we lose the idea that he's knowable. Because even just saying Lord, sometimes it becomes just a filler word, right? Lord, Lord, Lord. You know, we, we don't realize it's, it's his name. You might work on, maybe you express Yahweh. Maybe you address him that way. It is his name. It's somewhat the difference between saying, yeah, you know, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, you, how, how, do you, how do you point to someone else if you don't know their name? Well, you know, the guy, the guy with the, the really bad haircut. The, or, or you say, Pastor Mike. See what I did there? That was a joke. I got my haircut really short. And the thing is, the Lord has revealed himself as, as a personal being. He is more than a power. You don't praise a power. You don't praise a force. You praise a person. Someone who has a thinking ability. Someone who has a desire. And someone who acts. Who does things. That's that's this one who is above all and yet also stoops down to you. Because he's a relational being. The one that you express appreciation to is a relational being. He desires a relationship. That's always been the plan. That's why he created you. To have a relationship with him. That's why he has blessed you with so many things. In part, so you would just say thank you. So you would praise Him and appreciate Him. So you would know Him. And though He's at a distance, He's above all, He stoops down and He reveals Himself. So, in our day and age, it's, it's really hard to describe who God is. Even to express Him as the one who's above all, who's higher you know, we use all of the good words for that for much lesser things, you know. Things that are awesome and things, you know, you can't live without. All the, all the marketing and the commercials would tell you, you know, it's, it's a car or, or even maybe a sandwich. You know, this is the awesome sandwich, you know, you got, you know, you got to go have it now. And you just, like, we just lose so much. So how do you, 
How do you work on acknowledging and understanding that, that God is the highest, that he's above all? Interestingly enough, ironically, it's by getting to know him. It's only as you pursue God and, and try to know him and understand him, the one who is above all, it's then when you realize this, this God is big, man. He, this one is way beyond what I ever even thought, and I thought he was pretty big. I love the Narnia stories by C.S. Lewis. You know, one of the, the low-key metaphors he works into that is that every time they meet Aslan, the lion who is a, a figure of Christ, sort of an allegory, every time they meet him, he's bigger. Aslan gets bigger. And he says, you know, I'm not really growing. You're just understanding me better. You know, that's, that's the way it is with God, this, this great irony that the way you understand that he's big and that he's above all else is that you try to understand him. As he, as he stoops down to speak to you and you understand who he is a little better, you realize you don't understand much at all. And you pursue him and you grow and you realize there's so much more. That this one who's above all stoops down to us and reveals himself. How does he reveal himself? He reveals himself in, in, a, in two really specific ways. He's up in his sanctuary, in a sense, he's in the mighty expanse, he's above. But creation itself declares his glory. The moon and stars pour forth speech. Romans 1.18 talks about that, that, that his invisible power and attributes have been clearly seen by the things that are made. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. That if you just look around with an open mind to really look around at what is around you in, in creation, appreciate the beauty wherever you find it. Sunsets, nice weather. This is not a beautiful day. Praise God for it. And, 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 you know, we sometimes get in the habit of, you know, praise God, it's so nice out. Without really, like, it's just like that's a saying, you know. Maybe cultivate this habit of just stopping. You know, Lord, I really do thank you. Thank you that we have the windows open, not because of COVID, but because it's a beautiful day. Because the breeze is just gently blowing through and it feels good. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for sunrises and sunsets. Thank you, Lord, for lightning and storms, for gravity. Thank you for the balance in general of life that seed time and harvest continues. That the sun comes up. The sun goes down, that spring and summer happen. You know, just even just those kind of things, expressing appreciation for that. Look around and also look in, look at his word, which reveals him in greater depth. It has laws and poetry. It has stories and commands talk about those things, meditate on them, think about them, and, and work on that habit of, of 
going maybe through the Psalms and seeing what the psalmist does with what he sees, with what's around him, with what's in his own heart, and lift those things to the Lord with an attitude of thankfulness. But you really need not only to know who to praise, but you need to know why. Why do you praise? Why do you praise God? First of all, because he does great, and I couldn't figure out a good word to put on the end. He does great things. He does great deeds. He, he just does great. <laughs> That's who he is. We praise him because he does what is great. Uh, because of what he's done, verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds. God does great things. The sense of mighty there is, is the strength of a successful warrior heading into battle. He's a hero. He's a mighty God and at the same time a prince of peace. That he's not about destruction and violence for its own sake. He's not about making himself a hero and being the hero, but acting heroically and powerfully and mightily for his people. That that is who he is. He does what is great. And it just makes sense to thank him, to appreciate that, to value that, to praise God for using his power for your good. To uphold the universe. To hold it together and uphold it by the word of his power, as Colossians 1 says. You know, we thank, do, do you not thank someone usually who holds a door for you or who lets you into traffic, you know, when you're waiting in line or, you know, who just, you know, maybe the trolley driver, bus driver, you, you thank them, right, for those small things. How much more so should we not thank the one who made us, who created us? who keeps us breathing and alive. In fact, the psalm ends toward the end, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Part of the reason that's got to be happening is because our breath comes from Him. There's only, there's only life in the whole world because there is a God who brought it about, who does great things, including creating everything that you need for life and godliness. A planet that stays in balance despite all the fears and threats of global warming and everything else. The world is still going around. Because God upholds it. Because God does great things. He's not only doing great things, though, He is great. Verse 2, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. The, the word excellent has the sense of abundance, as in a lot, many. He's, he's got exceeding greatness. The word, the word for greatness is actually really closely related to excellent, but it's slightly different. It overlaps in meaning, as one commentator put it, but it, it doesn't refer to being numerous. It's, it's about being great in size. You know, you put it together, it's like praise Him for His abundant uh, largeness for as many muchnesses it just you, you can't get out the language to describe how great God is the Hebrew language the English language every language will strain in trying to express that that he not only does great things but he is great Psalms the scriptures often pile up words just trying to describe who God is trying to describe how great he is how amazing how wonderful you know, it's not, it's not unlike, 
going to uh, the Grand Canyon in Arizona or something and, and standing there on the edge, which I've had the privilege of doing, and just seeing this gigongous hole in the earth that just, this just goes on forever. It's massive. It's beautiful and huge and awe-inspiring to see something that large and to be just a small person on the edge of it. You know, that, that sense of, of awe and wonder. Pictures don't do it justice. Uh, just to, to be there and see it in its bigness and, and beauty. And then think about this. Effectively, what we believe about God is, is essentially, an analogy would be that at that point you're standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? And you're just, this is so amazing. This is so, I can't believe this. It's awe-inspiring. It's so beautiful. It's so big. And then it starts doing things for you or talks to you or something. I know that sounds weird, but like, you know, something as massive as the Grand Canyon then just begins to use its power and beauty and wonder and strength for you. You know, maybe it just stands up there and says, hey, Mike, I noticed you on the edge there. How you doing? That's, that's essentially what God is doing, brothers and sisters. This is how great and wonderful and amazing he is. And he's just like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, you know, can, I, can I work through this thing for you, with you? Let me sustain you through all these educational challenges. Hey, let me, let me bring some friends into your life. Let me provide for you life and breath. It's as if the most important person in the world were regularly awarding you with a trophy or a medal, giving you attention and praise. And as you draw near Him and understand Him, and you offer Him praise, that's, that's the beauty of it. You, you grow in your understanding that He, this great God who does great things, is, it, is attending to you. Is paying attention to you. It's like you're singled out for a wonderful award <laughs> by the judges every day. The attention of God upon you. In the last few weeks, we've gone to a lot of awards ceremonies, uh, sat in a hot gymnasium and uncomfortable seats and things like that. Right? Um, to see a lot of young people, high school students, get lots of awards and honors and recognition. And there was one a couple of weeks ago now for performing arts, stage, theater, those kind of things that we went to. Uh, schools in this area that had put on musicals and plays. And it was kind of like, you know, an Academy Awards type thing. They would get up and they would say, you know, the, the nominees for best stage play or best musical or best props or uh, those kind of things are so-and-so. And the winner is, right? And the, the person would come off, they'd get a little envelope and a trophy. And they would say a couple of things, you know, thank you, I want to thank the director, I want to thank the cast, you know, it was a team, we all did it together or whatever. Um, so, I, I remember two of the speeches, most of them are just a blur. And I remember two of the speeches. One of them was, of course, my son who won an award and, you know, dad, proud. Um, and then I remember a young man I'd never met before 
because his first words, and I can picture him, because his first words were, first of all, I want to thank God. And he was a student at Delaware County Christian School, and so I knew he probably had some content behind that and was probably thanking the God that I love and serve. And just that, just that simple act of praise, acknowledging that God had provided for him to be at that moment. You know, he worked hard, sang. We all do. But to ultimately say, you know what? Without God being involved, without God creating everything, without God making this kind of world, without God giving me the gifts I have or putting me in the family that I have, without God in all of that, it wouldn't have happened. And if we just share that with other people, it can be surprisingly powerful. If we acknowledge the greatness of God and that he does great things, if we cultivate this idea that, you know, he's actually at work in our lives and we look for the evidence of it and we share that with other people, praise God for specific things, it will have a profound impact on those around us. And so we, we need to understand who we praise and why. And finally, how? How do you praise? According to verses 3 through 5, you praise God with music and instruments. Verse 3, praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. The thing is, if you, if you begin to understand this God, if you work to pursue Him and try to understand who He is, I'm looking for ways that he's stooping down to you in creation and in his word around you. You're going to express your appreciation. You're going to find yourself wanting to praise him. And apparently, the scripture tells us throughout of it, but especially right here, apparently praising God, words are not enough. Did you ever think about that? Words are not enough. And one instrument is not enough. Our voices are not enough. Merely one trumpet's not enough, and harps and lyres and timbrels, and stringed instruments and pipes, loud cymbals, resounding cymbals. And this is not an exhaustive list. You look through the scriptures, there's other instruments named. Words are not enough. God has made us and wired us so deep down, we're not content with merely just saying, God is pretty good, isn't he? Yes, he is. What do you think? I think he's very good too. Yes. Shall we have lunch? Yes. Let's have a sandwich. Maybe peanut butter. Right, that's, that's okay. Right? But God has made us so that there is something deep down inside of us that is not content with just those words coming out. That it's like we gotta, we gotta move. We gotta, there's something that's gotta come out of us. And maybe you like this type of music and that type of music or whatever. You know, maybe poetry, whatever, you know. It comes out. We sometimes just sway, maybe. Maybe you find your hands raising up in the air. That's, that's, if we're understanding God, who, if we're praising the true and living God, because he's great, and he does great things, we're, we're going to move. We're going we're gonna to be using instruments and, and, and music and more than words. We're going to express that. And the sense, really, that I get from this psalm and from scriptures in general is that expressing appreciation of God 
means that we're going to do it with like everything and everyone, really. It's not just music and instruments, but we're going to, we're going to praise him with everything and everyone. Look at again at, at how each line starts. Verse 1, uh, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Verse 2, praise him, praise him. Verse 3, praise him, praise him. Verse 4, praise him, praise him. Verse 5, praise him, praise him. And then ends with praise the Lord. Ten times. Uses the second person plural command, which down in Tennessee where we live, they'd say, yins praise God. Uh, other parts of the South, they would say, y'all praise God. It's a plural command, not you singular. It's you plural. Y'all praise God. God. It's a together thing. More often than not. Yes, we do praise Him individually. But it's something especially done together. That's, that's why in the Scriptures there are choirs and musicians and song leaders and artists who compose things. Because it's a, it's a community thing. It's something we do together. As God's people, we can praise alone, but the common, most common expression is praising the Lord together. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons I really like that we have and encourage children to be present in the worship service. That we're praising the Lord together. And it's hard to parent in the pew I know that intellectually, my wife knows it experientially because she's had to do it because I've been up front most of the time and she's been with seven children off and on over the years. It's hard to parent in the pew. But if you're doing that, if you're trying to bring your children in to this together thing of appreciating the Lord, trust me, you're never as loud as you think you are. Your kids are never as distractive as you think they are. Sometimes they are distracting. Sometimes being together actually is, there's a cost that we all bear. For what? The greater purpose of having our children in an environment, in our critical, obsessive, destructive, polarized world, to be in a place where people are together from every tongue and tribe and nation just about, expressing appreciation for one being who is above all. Giving thanks to someone besides ourselves. What better environment do you want our children to grow up in? Is there a better environment for them to see you expressing appreciation for God in different ways, with different accents, with different skin tones, with different preferences, that we would all come together to praise the Lord and thank Him, express appreciation for who He is and what He has done. It's so powerful in a self-centered world to come together and unite beyond your own preferences, beyond your own conveniences. And you can very easily extend that right into our style of worship and the songs that we choose and who is here and what we're doing to say, you know what, there's something bigger involved. That we're here to express appreciation 
to the God who made every one of us. To the God who not only made every one of us, but to the God who saves us. To the God who has stooped down by taking on human form and uniting himself to us, bearing our sin, our guilt, our shame, breaking the power of sin, taking the judgment and wrath of God and paying the full price, rising victorious from the grave and sending forth the Spirit into our hearts that we might know Him. That we might appreciate Him and grow in understanding Him. And in a sense, you know, this is the heart of praise, of expressing appreciation to God is to draw attention to Him. It's to focus on Him. To make it less about me, less about you, and more about him, who he is, what he has done. You know, as we come together in a few moments to celebrate communion and take the Lord's Supper, you know, we're drawing attention to what God has done, to who he is, that he's the one who's come to take our place. We're, we're drawing attention to the fact that it is only through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross that we have hope for the future. That it is only through what He has done in stooping down to us that the great chasm between the God who is above all else and our sinful selves has been crossed. And in fact, it is only through Jesus that we rise above who we are by nature and become a people who are thankful, who express appreciation for this God. You know, we don't, we don't need to compose the Hallelujah Chorus. Praise God that Handel did. It is such a wonderful piece of music. I don't care what your preferences are. It's, it is one of those songs. And the thing is, you don't have to compose a song like that. You don't have to come anywhere near that level of accomplishment. What you can do is praise God. Express your appreciation for Him. The one who's above all, who stoops down, the one who does great things and is great and do it in a community with other people, lifting him up, focused on him. And your life, your life will be a hallelujah chorus. Your life will bring goosebumps and chills to other people because you're expressing appreciation for the God that everybody else should know is behind everything you do. You will be moved, and so will everyone else. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we praise you. We thank you for stooping down and revealing yourself to us, dying for us, rising, and sending forth the Spirit into our hearts. We thank you for who you are. We lift our hearts to you with great thanks. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen.